0: Hello and welcome to the Dot Ball Cricket Podcast. This is the uh, South African Cricket Podcast dealing with the proteas and domestic cricket here in South Africa. And once again, it's a very great privilege for me to welcome Paul Harris and John Kent, former proteas and uh, well known as well for their work uh, with Supersport. Good good day, gentlemen. How's it? How are you? Hello, Ken. Yeah, all good, Paul. Good to see you and uh, John as well. Lovely, man. Uh, Excited for the summer ahead, but uh, there's been a lot of cricket going on over the winter as well. Uh, We've got a bit of a bumper podcast uh, for you today. It might well be a bit longer than what you are used to because there's so much to discuss. There's uh, the Test Series against England. There's the Tour of India, which has just been completed. There's Mark Boucher resigning. There's the S820 auction. Uh, which was held recently, and of course also we're on the eve of the T20 World Cup. So, uh, as I say, a lot to talk about. Uh, Paul and John, when I run through that list of uh, things that the Proteas have been up to and that's been happening in South African cricket, the one thing that maybe does stand out a bit is that there's been a row of batting failures, uh, both in uh, England and India.
1: Yeah, there have been. It's a, it's slightly worrying. It's a, it's a common trend, which is, uh, which is not great. Um, a slight worry for uh, for Boucher going into the into the T20 World Cup, um, although that T20 team, you know, have, have put out, out some some better results than maybe, or well, certainly the One Day team, the ODI team. Um, but it is it is certainly worrying. Um, it can. It's weird. Yeah, these sort of batting collapses can become catching it's almost like when you uh, you know you play a game and one person drops a catch and you know if you find there's six or seven they get put down so it's uh, it is a problem um and something that uh, needs to be addressed fairly quickly
0: yeah john for me it it kind of started in england i mean there was that 83 all out in the second odi and i just found the test series to be incredibly frustrating because south africa won the first test by an innings at lords i think england were probably a bit underdone and then just the batting, well, I mean, even at Lords, they only made 160. Uh, sorry, in England, in, at Lords, they made 326. That was fine. Uh, but then in the next two tests, 151 and 179, and then 118 and 169. I was just so frustrated because I felt England were really vulnerable in that test series. Our bowlers were doing such a great job. If our batsmen could have just batted for a day somewhere, uh, we probably would have won the series.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's been, it's been plaguing us a couple of formats and relying on a few players, um, uh, particularly say our opening pair. I was quite excited with our opening pair for the test series. Uh, I thought Peterson early days in test cricket, Markham. Coming back, there's van der He's been pretty solid. Um, Rickleton, Zondo, those guys who had been untested at that level. And when you're coming into that situation, against some of the best seamers, I know they're at the back end of their, their career now, but they are still – exceptional in their own conditions and that that middle order for me just got found out in that test series and we know our bowlers did a, a wonderful job all around our, our, our pace bowlers were phenomenal they kept us in it and yeah it was just a pity we couldn't put together some some partnerships in that middle order uh, towards the second half of that test tour
0: Paul do you is it something systemic is there a systemic issue with our batting in South Africa or is it just one of those cyclical sort of things that happen in international cricket?
1: Yeah, you know, that's a tough one. Um, I think there's an issue. Um, I, I honestly do. Uh, I don't think that our cricket is as strong as it was. Uh, I don't think it's producing uh, quality batsmen. Um, I think we need to have a, a real look at what, what, priorities, what priorities are labour for uh, South African cricket. Um, I'm a firm believer in getting the basics right and getting test cricket right. Um, yes, the white ball stuff is important. But I think there needs to be sort of a a deep focus on batting in the country. Whether we have to get external consultants in, um, I'm not sure that's necessary. I think that we've got enough brain capacity and batting prowess in this country, if we use it correctly. Um, You know, we had Jacques Collis floating around there for a while, no one better in my opinion, um, to help uh, solve these batting woes. Um, Neil McKenzie's there, he's also very good. But how much time do these guys actually spend, um, you know, hiding out the kinks in their game, playing cricket all the time at the moment, not having time to actually realise that quite a few of our batsmen have glaring technical uh, difficulties, especially when the ball's swinging around. Um, so it's certainly something for what uh, would well, most probably fall to the new coach um, after the World Cup to sort of go, go down into the sort of setups and try and identify 30, 40 batters. And that sounds like a lot, but it's not, because you're probably going to find out of those 30, 43 that are good enough, um, and actually really try and iron, iron out and coach uh, techniques so that we can, when we get to the bigger stage and the ball's moving around, our guys can cope a bit better.
0: Paul, it sounds like uh, you're kind of bypassing the domestic system, the uh, Division One teams and that. John, you were a batsman, a uh, batting all-rounder, I guess. Um, h- how important is it for batsmen who are going to play at international level uh, to be tested when they're playing for their domestic teams. And, and, I mean, you've watched, you've covered a lot of domestic cricket. Do you feel that our best batsmen in the country are being tested enough at domestic level?
2: I think a lot of the time when the guys go back to get some game time, a lot of the premier type of bowlers are, are generally getting rested. And you've got to say, okay, well, you know, against what, how is the skill level of the next level of, of domestic player and how severely are those top-order test players of ours going to be tested in domestic cricket. You know, at times, some of the wickets are very sporting over the years. Paul no, they were very sporting for a while. Um, and then they went through a period where they were very, very flat. Um, so it varies quite a lot year on year. But, uh, you know, I, th- I don't think they're really – Getting tested, to be honest, it's it's a case of maybe seeing off a, a, a bowler or, or, or maybe two max, and the rest can be sort of milked over a period of time, get a get a comfortable score, and they're never really under a severe amount of pressure like they would be in a in a test match.
0: Yeah, it's exactly the feeling I get, uh, John, when I watch uh, uh, a lot of domestic cricket as well. Is is that the top batsmen just need to see off two bowlers, um, and there is that? Significant dip uh, in intensity, I guess uh Paul you mentioned um swing bowling and and how we were exposed by that in England uh, the just completed whiteboard tour of India. We were exposed to swing bowling as well there um, just the uh, the series started with two t twenties where South Africa could only make 106 for 8 in the first T20 and were easily beaten. Uh, The second T20, um, we made a good score, 221 for 3, but we bowled poorly to concede 237. Um, And of that 221 for 3, Quinton de Kock made 69 not out and David Miller, 106 not out. Uh, But otherwise, there were two ducks and a 33. So, kind of saved by uh, two batsmen there. They... South Africa got it right in the third T20. Uh, Again, batting well to post 227 for three and bowl India out for 178. And uh, then in the ODIs, the uh, first ODI I thought was a really good performance, 249 for four and 40 overs. Bowlers nearly gave it away at the end. Uh, But then the second ODI, very poor bowling. Well, I say very poor bowling, but I mean, South Africa made 278 when they should have made over 300, I think. And so India chased it down in the 46th over. And then, of course, the horrible last ODI when we were bowled out for 99. Uh, Paul, just looking at that white ball series in India, what were your impressions?
1: I think I'll talk around the T20 stuff uh, first. Uh, That's probably more prevalent than uh, considering there's a World Cup coming up. But odd to have a one-day series before a T20 World Cup, it doesn't make any sense. But uh, but be that as it may, it did happen. Um, look, I think the problem uh, in that T20 series is we either didn't get it right with the bat or the ball, we didn't get it right you know, with, with both. Um, you know, you, you, you're either you know, scoring well and bowling poorly, or bowling well and batting poorly. Uh, you need to string it together. Um, I do, however, having said that, I think this is a good T20 side. Um, there's obviously a major issue at the top of the order. Uh, the fact that Reza Hendricks is not playing is uh, is almost criminal, um, you know, considering what uh, what he's managed to do in the last little while. Um, so there's going to be tough calls that need to be made there. Um, I know which way I would go, but there's tough calls that need to be made at the top of the order. Uh, you know, it's very difficult as a batting unit when you uh, you know when you when you're not sure what's going to happen. So selection wise, so I think they need to get that right. Uh, but having said that, we've got some guys that are in form. Um, World Cups are all about form players. World, World Cups are all about uh, senior players. You get two or three guys to stand up at the bat, and two or three guys to stand up with the ball, and this could be our World Cup. So, you know, I don't read too much into it. I'm sure these guys will stand up for the big occasion. You need a bit of luck, um, but yeah, you know, certainly worrying that we hit and miss with both bat and ball.
0: John, do you agree with Paul that the the batting was the biggest worry uh, in India, and and what sort of changes do you think should have been made? Yeah, I
2: think that, um, you know, we, we're trying to get players who haven't played, like Bavuma, who hasn't played a lot of cricket, come off of injury, trying to give him game time. Um, Quinney was also struggling with form. Um, you know, so there's a, there's a guy in form, like Harry was saying, he's sitting on the side of the field, who, who's, who's had a great tour of England, he did really well, Miller's in the, in the form of his life, which is wonderful, and I think we're going to rely heavily on him. Um, in this World Cup, in terms of the batting lineup and, and what we have up our sleeves, as, you know, yeah. sub's also, uh, a big player, I think, in this tournament coming up now. But yeah, I think it's, 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 it just seems like we're not dealing with it somehow. Uh, you know what I mean? Whether the guy's out of form, you know, he, if he's out of form, how, how does he play? How do we go about it? How do we, obviously, the, the, the you know, the player's a good player, but, you know, it's all about, everyone's got class at that level. All those players have the ability and have the class. But the thing is, though, if you're not on form, you need to select accordingly. And and that happens. A guy could be in form now, but in the World Cup, he'd be out of form. But that's you, you just got to put out your, your, your form 11 on the day at that moment in time. And obviously, we're trying combinations um, at this moment in time. But at the moment, yes, at like our, our batting at the top, is a is a is a is a big concern, um, and yeah, you know, I don't know how we are, are, are going to deal with it going into the World Cup now, which is you know not far away at all.
0: I think we all agree that uh, Reza Hendrix has to come in. It, it's criminal to waste that sort of form. So I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Uh, who does Reza come in for, John? Oh well,
2: I, I I just think a, a guy like a Miller has been captaining the side for for the last. I don't know how long, up yells and and around he's being utilized as a captain. Um and he, and he's a very good leader and he leads from the front. He's in the form of his life. So it makes sense, I guess, to 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 utilize him if Bavuma isn't selected. Um and then you 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 select the the, the, the player who's who's obviously the form player in Reza. Quinny. we've seen little bits and little moments where he's he's starting to find some form and yeah, we're desperate for him to to have a big tournament here. Him, Miller you know, those are going to be massive players for us. And the power play and then those middle overs and finishing, it's going to be so important for us.
0: Paul, who makes way for Hendricks?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I say it with a lot of respect to Tim I see he, he sort of, he makes my 50 overs side every game and he makes my test side every game. But unfortunately, I uh, just don't see the, you know, that him as a T20 player, um, I just don't see it uh you know when you've got a guy in incredible form one of a man of the series you know smacked the english all around the park and then doesn't play it just doesn't make any sense um so agree with john um maybe slightly more bullish in my agreement um but certainly uh risa hendrix comes into the side for me ahead of Temba Bavuma, and you've got uh, david miller you've got keshev maharaj both good leaders um in the setup uh, you can give it to either of the two of them um, I tend to agree with John. I think the guy that is sort of thriving at the moment is David. Um, I've been quite impressed with his uh, his captaincy, so I'll probably give the captaincy to David. Uh, but Keshe has also done a good job while he's uh, been doing it. I think he's sort of angled himself as the number one choice spinner at the moment in, uh, in, in whiteboard cricket. So, uh, But David is certainly, I think, your man. Um, in terms of going to the cock, I mean... I. I if I was there, I 'd just leave him to play uh, quinny 's one of those guys he 's one or two in the middle, and then all of a sudden he finds his form again um, you know he 's not one of those guys that needs you know ten balls in the middle to find his form. Um, maybe a bit of a blessing in disguise that knock that he played where he got sixty and didn 't quite you know go at the rate that he needed to chase down two thirty. It was still a decent rate at one hundred and sixty I think it was his strike rate he needed to go more two hundred for us to win that game, but then that was maybe a blessing in disguise to get some time in the middle. Um, but the history of Quinton De Kock keeps him in the side for me. Um, you know, the fact that he has that experience at a World Cup, those wickets will suit him, He'll come onto the bat. Uh, um, you know, you'll be able to play off the back foot. And uh, so he certainly makes my, my team. And so to answer your question in a very long-winded way, unfortunately, Bavuma misses
2: out. I was very interested in, in, in Shamsi. Sorry, Paul, uh, Ken, to jump in there. But like Shamsi, Shamsi's been a bit worried about him. Yeah,
0: That, yeah. That's, that, that was going to be my next question. Uh, j- just to say, I, I think no slight on Bavuma. Um, I'm with you, Paul. He he definitely is in our ODI side and our test side. Uh, and I would even have him in our T20 squad uh, with Rusty van der Dussen injured. Um, but at the moment, just based on form, he can't make the 11. Yeah, and very encouraging, as you say. Quinton de Kock, he had three good knocks in a row. Um, not, of course, in the 99 all-out, but very encouraged by what he showed. Uh, yeah, Paul, as, as John brought up, Bray Shamsi, another guy who seems to be struggling with form a bit. Um, Is it just a case of the Indian batsmen have really gone all out to attack him?
1: No, I think there's a glaring technical weakness. Um, He's dropping his head at point of delivery. You can see it. That's why he's dragging so many balls down. Um, You know, a lot of people say get your head higher. With Shammo, it's not the case. It's getting your your head down the wicket. Um, You know, he's he's never been one of those guys that are tall in delivery. He needs to be forward in delivery and not dropping his head in delivery, that's why he's losing control. One will be very full uh, and the next one will be very short. So he needs to really have a look at, uh, at technique, um, have a few technical sessions before the World Cup, do the drills that he needs to do. Um, I don't know if the modern day players do their technical drills as much as they should. Um, T20 cricket, because of the nature of it, you can get into bad habits and you've got to constantly push yourself to be doing these technical drills. Um, you know, often you'll be bowling the ball into the wicket, bowling it quickly. Uh, you know, you lose sort of shape, you lose your rhythm, and uh, and you can get into bad habits. So, um, you know, I certainly have uh, portrayed that message to Bach uh, already in the WhatsApp uh, to Shamsi to try and get him to not get... And the commentators are all talking about him getting his head higher. Um, I completely disagree. It's getting your head down the wicket, getting it towards the batsman, getting it towards the, the target where you want to actually get the ball to. Um, instead of dropping your head, uh, it has been a weakness of his before. Um, I hope that uh, there is the knowledge and the will from him to be able to rectify that, because he's a game changer. He, you know, he, he opens the game, uh, especially on big boundaries in, uh, in in Australia. But it doesn't matter how big the boundaries are; if you bow the ball halfway down, these players will uh, will hit you over them.
0: Yeah, very interesting, Paul. Uh, John, just uh, how important is a fit and firing Tabe Shamzi? Uh, you think in the T20 World Cup in Australia?
2: I think it's 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 literally he's always been one of the first names on on the team sheet for me. The 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 de Kock, the Miller, Shamsi, you know those sort of guys are top of world ranking. You know what I mean? He's been up there. He's been the best. He, he is the best, still the best in my opinion in this format. And I just yeah, we just know how good he is. And once he comes right and he gets a bit of confidence, he, he can win the World Cup for us. It's as simple as that. And I just I just love what he does, the energy he brings. And there's nothing better to watch than, than, a, than a confident and, and someone who's in form like Lakshamzi. Like He's wonderful to watch.
0: Yeah, and I think that, that second ODI, when uh, Ishan Kishan and Shui Asaya were were putting the bowling to the sword. Uh, for me, it really just cried out for a guy like Shamsi to take wickets in the middle overs. That that mm. was the glaringly missing missing ingredient uh, to the attack. Uh, Paul, you mentioned uh, WhatsApping Mark Boucher, and uh, obviously we need to chat about his resignation uh, from the Proteas. The T Twenty World Cup will be his last commitment with the South African team before he goes to join Mumbai Indians uh, as the head coach. Um, were you surprised? Is it a good or bad thing for Boucher? What are your What are your views on that move? It's a no brainer,
1: really, isn't it? Um, considering the amount of uh, strife, uh, cricket Africa put Mark Boucher through uh, during his tenure um, as coach, uh, it really isn't surprising. Um, you know, a lot of coaches do depart after a World Cup, so uh, it isn't surprising. And um, you know, with uh, with the uh, the next challenge in his, uh, in his uh, coaching career, the Mumbai Indians, I think that's usually exciting for him. And then somewhere where Barchi can really make a difference with the young Indian players. Um, sad for South African cricket, uh, although I see some rejoicing, uh, the usual suspects. Um, it's uh, for me it's, a, it's, a, it's sad for savoring cricket to have a brain and a, a, you know a cricket brain like Boucher's lost to the system for hopefully it'll be a short period that it will be lost uh, not sure Boucher will be rushing back at any time to coach this African team mm-hmm. uh, considering how they've treated him um, but yeah I mean great for the Mumbai Indians I think that's a coup for them um, you know to get someone with his class and his, uh, his knowledge of the game um, you know they can only uh, get better and better I guess loyalty
0: is is something some people will bring up uh, when it comes to this. But cricket South Africa, I suppose, have kind of showed that loyalty to the Proteas badge is is not as important as money. Um, given the decision to pull out of the the three ODIs in Australia, which would have made our World Cup qualification uh, perhaps a bit easier, they, you know, they've said SA Twenty and money is is more important. Than the Proteus, so you can't really point fingers at Mark Boucher, can you?
1: Look, I think there's there can be there's got to be blame on the coach as well for uh, you know I think we've won I think I saw a stat five out of sixteen I think it was uh, if I'm not mistaken you um, have to double check that stat but I think it was somewhere around there um, you know you you, you the South African side should be qualifying if they're playing sixteen games so there's got to be an element of it uh, um, um, sort of attached to the coach uh, I think Boucher would take an element of. Uh, of blame for that and the players too, um, for having that, uh, you know, they're putting themselves in the situation. Uh, it's not ideal. Um, and I think a new a whole, an overall of how we play ODI cricket needs to be, uh, be looked at when the new coach comes in. So certainly the coaches need to take a bit of blame for uh, for results. That's what they are, uh, they're marked on. And sort of their main KPI is, uh, is is winning is winning games. So yes, you'd have to take some blame. Um, do I blame cricket South Africa for having their own T20 competition? I certainly do not um i think that uh, you know everyone else has one so why can't we um so you know it is a money spinner for crickets africa it is a bit of a silver bullet for their coffers uh, one would say um and um you know they've got the right person leading it in graham smith um, they've got the right guys putting money in it and teams backing it um, i don't see why it cannot be a success um so you know surprising that they did uh, cancel those three uh one days but at the end of the day, the financial stability of cricket South Africa has got to be uh, focused as well.
0: Yeah, just on those uh, Super League stats. So the Super League is the qualifying mechanism for next year's 50-over World Cup. And, and Paul, you had it bang on. Uh, South Africa have won just five out of 16 of those matches. Uh, strangely enough, Boucher's overall record, though, in ODIs, I think it's it's lost 13 11 um, so it's a lot closer to 50 50, which is almost what you kind of expect in white ball cricket. The, the Proteus uh, have had the unfortunate knack of, of probably playing their best ODI cricket in non Super League fixtures, um, games that didn't count for qualifying. And, and I think, especially, of, of whitewashing India uh, here in South Africa uh, last summer. So uh, that's a bit unfortunate. Uh, Paul, you mentioned the uh, SA Twenty auction. John Kent, I know you were um, keeping a very close eye on that. Uh, what were the major takeaways for you from the SA Twenty auction?
2: Yeah, I think the uh, you know those performances from the T Twenty competition in February um, in Klubberga was 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 noted. You know, you see a guy who stubs who was the player of the tournament. Um, you know, he really laid down a marker and he's got to the IPL and he's gone for, I don't know, what was nine and a half million rand for this tournament. So he's, he's done really well. Um, You know, the, there's been some really remarkable sort of values. Obviously, some teams were able to sign players before the auction. Obviously, some of the best international T20 players that are, you know, contracted to South Africa uh, with an uncapped player on each team. Um but, but yeah, I think the I think some of the interesting calls are the, are the over, some of the overseas players that are involved, and um, their availability. You know, obviously Graham's done a great job in in securing the services of big name overseas players. And that's that's what the tournament's gonna be, you know, vitally important in securing um its future. Getting in those RPL owned teams um as well, like like Paul said, um, absolutely brilliant uh for for the the survival of our game in this country and you know that's how important it is if we don't have this tournament is is not going to be you know cricket is getting paid in in a year's time so this is vitally important and it needs to be a success it's great that you know they've got the the likes of a super sport involved where they will you know put out the production market the tournament well i'm sure as as it has been done already and and everyone's looking forward to it in january to to being a, a a big you know like paul said our own tournament finally you know and we need it we need it to be successful and, and you know grow for many years to come
0: Paul, what were your major uh, takeaways from the SA20 auction? Uh, did it answer a lot of questions for you, or do you, do you still have questions surrounding the teams and who, who they've bought? No, I mean, I don't have any
1: questions the, on, on, on who they bought. I mean, it's, I think it's, it, it's, it, is a bit, it is worrying that, you know, guys like Temba don't get picked in it. Um, but that's a different conversation, I think, for a different day. I think the positives coming out of it, I mean, you've got... It, it, it's changing the lives of certain players. Um, you know, you've got uh, young guys uh, that, uh, you know, that were pretty much working, <laughs> you know, uh, try, having having a Donovan Ferreira, I mean, he, he was literally working a year and a half ago, he had to have a full time job and, and playing cricket and then going for the kind of money that he went for, it's life changing. Um, and that's what these tournaments are all about. You know, they can you can go from, you know, being in an office job. Not not me, I'm too old. I'm still gonna be an office job for a while. Uh, but these youngsters can, you know, they can go from nowhere uh to life changing in uh, you know in one auction. So um for me it it's it could it has the potential to put South African cricket back on the map. Um it has the potential to uh get us a bigger seat at the table. I'm not sure how we've uh, you know, lost us at the table over the years with the ICC, um, and uh, you know, more importantly, commercially, we need to have a look at how cricket's going to go forward in in, in in South Africa. I mean, you know, we've had some you know, pretty terrible uh, senior leaders in cricket South Africa over the last few years, and uh, you know, money's uh, you know, kind of uh, our, our coffers have not been where they were. And hopefully this will be uh, a catalyst to increasing that and and allowing, uh, you know, us to have extra cash aside to sort out problems that we were talking about before when it comes to our batting and having camps where we've got money set aside to fund them and to, you know, to go to uh, universities and and possibly give youngsters scholarships to be able to go to university to, uh, you know, to, to, to play cricket further. Um, but uh, I'm hugely excited for it. I, I don't generally get excited for uh, for domestic cricket in South Africa too much these days. But this particular tournament, I am.
0: Mm, very interesting, Paul. Uh, yeah, it certainly is an exciting prospect coming up in January. I, I'm afraid I'm going to have to not let you shoulder arms, though, to the Temba Baruma SA20 uh, uh, auction snub. Uh, guys, I, I just want to read you a few stats uh, because I. I firmly believe that Bavuma definitely should have been bought uh, by one of the franchises, at least. Uh, just looking at. So, okay, Temba Bavuma's T20 stats. Let's take that as a baseline. Uh, in 25 internationals, uh, he has a strike rate of 120 and an average of 26. All right. But now, my point is that they were purely domestic players who were chosen ahead of Bavuma. So let's look at Timber's domestic stats, which is 100 matches, a strike rate of 124, and an average of 30. Now, the first sort of buy that got my alarm bells ringing was when Sunrise's Eastern Cape bought Marcus Ackerman, who has played 39 T20s, strikes at 123, and only has an average of 24. So Timber's ahead of him just in terms of stats. Then, Durban Super Giants bought Johnson Charles, the West Indies. The West Indian. Now, to me, he's a bang average T20 player. 34 internationals, strike rate 121, average 21. So, that's really not much better than Temba Bavuma. Internationally and domestically, it's a strike rate of 128 and an average of 25. And, don't bring up the fact that Johnson Charles can keep wicket because Durbin already had Quinton de Kock and Heinrich Klaassen in their squad. Then the Super Kings bring uh, by Matthew Bierzka in the next round. Now, I know he's a really exciting talent, but his domestic strike rate is 129 and an average of 24. And then to capital, now, I love Saar Olivia as a test batsman and even as a as a 50-over batsman. But then he gets bought ahead of timber and he has a strike rate of 123 and an average of 24 in T-20s. So John Kent, explain it to me. What's going on?
2: Uh I think that uh I've been watching a couple of the leagues in the last few months and a guy like a Johnson Charles, obviously he's an overseas player, so that's a different sort of category of player, but um I think he was one of the top batters from that Caribbean League um from what I gather um I know a lot of games in the last few years where where say Tim has been involved and it's 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 not his it's not his fault basically where he played the T20 competition in Durban as an example and the scores were fairly low it was 120 chasing 120 and he and he played the situation and he he won the trophy with the Lions do you you understand so like if he gets a runner ball in that tournament he wins the trophy and the, the Lions win another trophy but you know that, 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 that obviously impacts on his, on his career strike rate, his career averages, things like that. Um, and, and I suppose it's, it's just a case of, you know, maybe they've delved further into specifics in terms of statistics for T20 players. And obviously these, these teams do these type of things where they say, okay, what is a type of player strike rate that's over his career um, in, in all overs? But maybe what they're saying is, what is someone's strike rate in the power play as an example so it's a bit more specific some of these guys uh, baseline markers that they're looking at so I'm trying to find reasons why uh, Ken like you like you're saying I'm trying to find reasons you know why why wasn't he picked up there's there's guys like pickler Lacoya wasn't picked up so Pumla not hasn't been picked up uh, someone like a, a Sibs Makanya, he hasn't been picked up there, there's a whole lot of really good cricketers that have not been picked up in this league and and the, the, these guys, they've got their analysts. They've got, you know, some of the teams have got more local representation in terms of coaches. Um, so they have a, a better understanding than, than guys coming into the auction that don't know are domestic players. So I think aligning themselves with someone who knows the domestic system and knows who the, who's the best in the domestic system, that's a huge advantage for some of these teams. Um, some of the coaches might have been further afield and they, they're coming back into South Africa. That becomes ever tougher now on their. Who are the people that are, are looking out for the domestic players that should be brought into a tournament like this? So yeah, it's it's a very, you know, it can be a very tough um, situation. Obviously, the the I think maybe the the base price. I think that was uh, talked about.
0: Sure. Well, there are all those crucial ODIs against England uh, at the end of January, which uh, are part of the World Cup qualifying. So surely we want Bavuma playing in that, but uh I, I do think the base price was a mistake uh by Timber Bavuma. I agree with you there of, and uh out of four, interest, yeah.
1: out of out of interest those players those players that you mentioned that were picked ahead of him what what did they go for
0: no i th- I think John's right that most of them if we, were
1: if we johnson Charles uh
0: but I think Johnson sure. Charles was four twenty five
1: Sure, but the point you are trying to make is if we're going to do comparisons, then we've got to do the full comparison, right? So, you know, if, if you're going to do strike rate and you're going to do average, then you've got to do what they went for as well. Um, because, you know, they could have had a bit of shrapnel left over one of the teams and thought, you know, let's take a punt. Someone gets injured, they're a nice steady opening batsman. I mean, I didn't even know who Johnston Charles is, so let's leave him out. Uh, but the rest of the guys there are, you know, they tried and tested and, 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 and they can play. Uh, it's a 100% pricing issue. Um, I think also if there had been one or two more South African head coaches, they might have uh, understood the relevance and the importance of having Temba Bavuma in A-side and they, they would, I would imagine, I'm almost 100% sure, there would have been a bid for him. So that's maybe something to look at in the future as well. Is If it's a, if it's a locally based tournament, maybe we should have half the, the coaches, South African coaches. Um, also to give our coaches a bit more exposure um, you know, it's not just about players, it's also about coaches and changing coaches lives, uh, we've got some bloody good coaches in this country and giving them the opportunity, they understand the nuances and the differences here in South African cricket and I have no doubt that if the price had been altered a touch and we'd have South African coaches you would have got picked up. I
0: do, I do think local input uh, is a big factor in that auction Paul and John, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly and, and... Look, there are quite a few South African coaches involved, but sitting at that auction, uh, you do sometimes wonder how much say the coaches have got uh, when it came to some of the bidding. Uh, there were um, a lot of overseas people, shall we say, uh, who seemed to be very involved uh, in picking of players. Certainly, we, we seem to have batting strike power. Uh, that middle order, as John said, Miller, Stubbs, Klaassen... Uh, Might not get a game. Markram, uh, there certainly seems to be a lot of very good batting strike power there. Looking at the bowling, uh, how important is skill going to be? Or being in Australia, is it going to be all about pace and bounce, as Mark Boucher uh, said yesterday after the India series?
1: Look, I think it also depends where you play in Australia. Their grounds do tend to differ. Um, one thing you will have, unless they're mad and pull the boundaries in, I think it's crazy in Australia to pull the boundaries in as part of playing in Australia, is that the grounds are massive. Playing at the MCG, if you don't middle it, you're out. So um, and it also brings in different skills. It brings in the sort of running twos and threes hard and, you know, brings in those kind of players as well. So uh, to answer your question, I think that the new balls are going to be key, uh, hitting the deck nice and hard, almost test, test match length. Uh, not too different to what you do here in South Africa. And then, I mean, those those wickets are generally very good for batting. Um, you know, you might not see the 220 pluses we've been seeing in India, because those grounds are tiny and the wickets are, excuse me, ridiculously flat. But, uh, you know, the wickets are generally good for batting. Yes, they come onto the bat, but that we've seen in T20 cricket, the ball coming onto the bat can disappear. So, you know, your slow balls are going to be important. Uh, You know, death bowling is going to be important. And as most certainly, uh, the spinners are going to come into the game. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think for South Africa to do well, you're going to have to have your top order fire. There's no point in having Stubbs and Miller and everyone coming in to try and repair an innings. They need to come in and, uh, and be able to express themselves and play their natural game from a firm base. And then you need your key fast bowlers to, to fire. Um, I think Nokia, although he went around a bit in uh, in in, um, in India, will be a force to be reckoned with there, with their wickets. Rabada, Ingidi, um, um, you know, you've got uh, some very very good seamers there. And then you've got your you know you've got your two spinners. So I think we have all our bases covered. Um, and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this this group of players can do. I think they've got as good a chance as anyone else to win it.
0: Yep, I definitely think uh, the bigger the field, the more it suits the Proteus, especially with Maharaj and Shamsi uh, as key figures in the attack. Gentlemen, I think we're going to wrap it up there. We're all very excited for the T20 World Cup coming up, and we will chat again after that. To uh, John Kent and Paul Harris, thank you very much uh, for your time and for your expert input. And uh, to you, our listeners, thanks very much. Uh, Don't forget that you can like us and subscribe to us. And uh, if you want to get hold of us on Twitter, uh, please feel welcome. Uh, The handle is at podcast. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, John. And goodbye for now.